1: Christ on the cross of Calvary signed with his own blood God's name in history and for the universe to make the eternal covenant real in your life for all time. Dear heart, it can never change. God's compact in your life can never be altered because it is the everlasting covenant.
0: That's Pastor Michael Oxenteco, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenco is the fifth in the Cosmic Controversy series. We'll begin this broadcast today, but due to our time constraints, we'll only be able to bring you the first portion of this broadcast. Remember, at any time, you can listen to any of these messages in their entirety online at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with the first portion of the Paradise Contagion. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxen A
1: billionaire sheik has a name that he wants the whole world to know about. In fact, he wants space aliens and astronauts to notice his name too. He's in the monolithic kind of thing, and he wants his name to live on forever in big, bold letters in the sand. He has done something very unusual to accomplish his goal. He has carved his name into the desert sand in giant letters so large that everyone can see them. Not just big letters, colossus kind of letters. His name is Sheikh Hamad bin Hamdan al-Nahyan. I hope I said it right. Hamad for short. And that name, Hamad, now can be seen from outer space. The shorter version of his name, Hamad, is spelled with colossal letters two miles wide and 1,000 meters tall, right there in the sand on the other side of Abu Dubai. I think I said that right, did I? It dominates the landscape for all to see. The first two letters are so large they function as water canals. Comet is worth $14 billion and he has spent a hefty chunk of it making sure that people know that he has a name and his name can be seen from outer space. It's impossible to study the Bible without encountering the name of God. Unlike the sheikh, our creator God is a humble being who is more concerned about you than he is himself. And yet, nevertheless, he is infinitely richer than the sheikh. He is more concerned about his name than the sheikh because his name should matter to you because your understanding of the divine name has everything to do with your future. God has a name, a personal name, and his name is at the heart of the great controversy between good and evil. It is a battle over what the divine name really means. Satan's attack on God is really a thorough, deliberate, scanniving kind of evil attack upon the quality of God's name. When you consider the creation story in Genesis, you encounter immediately God's name at the very beginning of the world. In fact, your eternal destiny has everything to do with what you do and how you interact with the divine name in your own life. Before we enter the book of Genesis this morning, it would serve us all well to focus... Briefly on God's name in the larger context of the Bible And so we're going to take an airplane view of the Bible to consider the importance of his name And then we will enter into the book of Genesis to consider the controversy over his name in paradise Three truths are essential in understanding the war over God's name Here it is, truth number one God's name is God's covenant In fact, God's personal name is is the everlasting covenant. Now some people say, Pastor Mike, what do you mean everlasting covenant? You know, we use words theologically at times and we have no clue what they mean. You've heard terms saying, well, Jesus died as the blood of the eternal covenant or Christ is the new covenant. I'm a new covenant Christian. Most Christians have no clue what they're talking about when they say stuff like this. The Bible is very clear that the name of God is in fact the everlasting covenant. So if you know what God's name means you know exactly what the everlasting covenant is. The word covenant means contract or a legal guarantee based on a promise that carries the force of law. Now, if you go down to the car store or the car dealership and you sign a contract with your name to buy a car that says you have to give so much money every month to pay for that car over a period of time where it's financed, and if you don't follow through with the terms of the contract, what happens to you? They take the car... But if you try to keep the car, they take you. You see, the contract has legal force, and a covenant is just like that. The everlasting covenant is the ancient covenant that brought Jesus to this world to die for our sins. It is the oldest covenant that was never made. Did you hear what I said? It is the oldest covenant that was never made because it is a covenant that has no beginning and no end. It is eternal because God's name is eternal. It has always been there and it will always be. And just as people sign a contract with their name, God's name is the ultimate contract and He is the only one who can sign His own name in His own blood to ratify that contract. The eternal covenant is, in fact, the timeless pact, the eternal contract, the covenant that is rooted in the divine being that existed between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit from all eternity and before all time. And it was ever ready, it was ever present in the mind and heart of God to save the sinner who could not save himself. It has been ratified in history by the blood of Jesus Christ, inaugurated in time, but timeless in intent. Christ on the cross of Calvary signed with his own blood God's name in history and for the universe to make the eternal covenant real in your life for all time. Dear heart, it can never change. God's compact in your life can never be altered because it is the everlasting covenant. Hebrews 13, verse 20, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Now notice what it does. It says, May that equip you with everything good. I mean, if you're looking for good things in your life, if you're trying to make sure that you have the stuff that really matters for eternity, then the blood of the eternal covenant, that covenant has equipped you with everything good, it says. It says, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In the Bible, you cannot separate the eternal covenant from the blood of Jesus Christ. A new covenant Christian is of necessity an everlasting covenant Christian because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Any covenant that was ratified by the blood of Christ is a covenant I want in my life. Any covenant that was sealed and inaugurated by the blood of Jesus Christ is a covenant I need in my life. In the Old Testament, the ark of the covenant was the only box that contained the 10 commandments. And the 10 commandments was clearly called God's covenant in Exodus 34:28 and Deuteronomy 4:13. Let's look at these verses together. It's very clear here and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights speaking to Moses. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And notice what it says next. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant. And then what does it say? The Ten Commandments. I mean, we don't have to guess at what God's covenant is. The Bible says it is the Ten Commandments. Now look at Deuteronomy 4.13. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. I mean, the Bible is clear here. We don't have to miss it at all. The covenant that God gave Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, contained the covenant, and the covenant was the Ten Commandments. And the Ark of the Covenant is the box that contained His sacred will. It's a fact of the Bible truth that the Ark of the Covenant was strongly associated with God's eternal name. In fact, it was called by God's name. When people saw the Ark of the Covenant being carried by the priests with the the blue covering over top, as they saw it, they didn't say, well, there goes the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments. They didn't say that at all. They said, there goes the name of God. And I know that to be true because the Bible says so. They called that Ark that contained the covenant, the Ten Commandments, they called it the name of God. Deuteronomy 10.8 At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord, to minister to Him, and to bless His name to this day. Now, based on that verse, the people of Israel developed a practice because they knew what it meant. 1 Chronicles thirteen six, And David and all Israel went up to Bala, that is, at cariath Jerem, which belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord who sits enthroned above the cherubim. So when they saw the Ark of the Covenant, they didn't say there's the Ark of the Covenant. They said there is the name of God, the Lord. There's the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible is very clear that God's covenant is the Ten Commandments and God's name is the same thing. You know, some people say, well, what is God's name? When you look at God's holy law revealed at Mount Sinai, you are reading a description of the name of God the eternal name of God, the character of God, and it is put into ten succinct statements so that we can understand it. Psalm 111 describes the relationship of God's name to this everlasting covenant in very clear terms. Psalms 111 verse 9. It says, He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. And here it is. Holy and terrible is His name. So you don't have to guess at what the everlasting covenant is. The everlasting covenant is the everlasting name of God. So when Lucifer attacked the heavenly mountain, when he tried to place his throne in the mountain of the assembly, he attacked God's holy law, God's throne, God's law, the heavenly ark of the covenant. You know, so There are some Christians today who don't even believe that there is a law of God in heaven. Revelation 11:19 says then God's temple in heaven was open and the ark of his covenant in heaven was seen if there's an ark of the covenant in heaven it means God's holy ten commandment law is in heaven and that ark was God's throne on earth the throne of God in the mountain of the assembly the throne of God is the heavenly Ark of the Covenant. And Lucifer wanted to place his throne right there where God's throne goes. He attacked the throne of God, the Ark of the Covenant in heaven. But more profoundly, he attacked the name of God because the Ark of the Covenant is called by the name of the Lord. The heavenly Ark of the Covenant is God's eternal throne. And when you try to overthrow that, it's treason against all that has ever been. God's name, God's law, and God's covenant are really the same thing, the same truth described in different terminology. So three truths are essential in understanding the war over God's name. Truth number one, God's name is God's covenant because God's name is the everlasting covenant. Truth number two, God's name means God is here. And when God is here, you are blessed with mercy if you have God right here in your life today. Exodus 3.15, God is speaking. God said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, He has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now the name you see there in that verse is the name Lord. L-O-R-D. All capital letters. And whenever you see this name with all capital letters, L-O-R-D, all caps, in your English Bible, it is always a reference back to the Hebrew name Yahweh or Jehovah, the divine name of God that was revealed in the Exodus that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. And God says very clearly that this is the name that he must be known forever by, the name the Lord, all caps, means in the context of this passage, I am that I am. Exodus 3:14 Moses asked the question, what's your name and God answers him here. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this you must say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, what does I am mean? It sounds like existential philosophical kind of stuff, but in the context it's not that complicated at all. I am means I am here.
0: Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: the God who is, is here to save today from the Egypt of your life, dear heart. The covenant name of God is the personal name of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Isaiah 65, verse 1, God says, I was ready, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I to a nation that did not call on my name. Imagine having a name. Imagine having that name as the promise of all that is and you're eternal God and people ignore the meaning of your name. When God has offered you the guarantee of his presence and people go other places to find peace and comfort in life and God says, I am here, I am here. Call on my name. The Lord's name means I am here. and Because God's name is personal, God's name means mercy here. God's name means forgiveness Now. God's name means God's peace and presence where you need it on level ground, not in your tomorrow, not just for your yesterday, but right now, where you find God on your knees. God's presence for grace and peace. His name means I am here. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, and, and God said, "I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord." Here again, notice all capital letters, Yahweh, Jehovah, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Dear heart, God's name and God's law are the same truth expressed in different ways. God's name and God's mercy are the same truth. That means that God's law is a revelation of God's mercy rooted in His eternal name, which is the everlasting covenant. James 2.12, James is very clear that God's law is not a standard whereby God wants to keep you out of heaven at the heart of god's law are the principles of mercy and grace whereby god wants to bring you into heaven and so james says in james 2:12 so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy yet mercy triumphs over judgment And so, when we speak of God's name, we must not only speak of the law of God in terms of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments start with a proclamation of God's eternal character of mercy. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. That's mercy. The name of God begins with mercy. Three truths are essential in understanding the war over God's name. Truth number one God's name is God's covenant. Because his name is the everlasting covenant. Truth number two. God's name means God is here. And when God is here, you are blessed with mercy in your life where you need it the most right now. And that leads us to truth number three. A truth that many Christians today ignore because they do not allow the Bible to interpret itself. A truth that they run from because of tradition within the Christian church. But nonetheless, it is the third essential truth in describing the meaning of God's name. And so we will go into it based on Scripture today. The third truth is this, the sign of the everlasting covenant. The covenant sign, the sign of God's name is the seventh day Sabbath, according to Scripture. Every covenant in the Bible has a sign. The sign of the covenant with Noah was the rainbow. The sign of the covenant with Abraham was circumcision. But there is a covenant that goes farther back than time itself, There is a covenant that goes deep into the heart and mind of God. It is the everlasting covenant. And we know that his name is that eternal covenant. And the sign of God's name, the sign that God has chosen in history and time for his people is the seventh day Sabbath. The Hebrew letter seven in the Hebrew Bible means literally oath. In Genesis 21, Abraham was making a covenant with Abimelech. And there he took seven ewe lambs and set them aside. As a sign that he dug the well. And he called the name of that place Beersheba. In the Hebrew it means well of the oath. But it has two meanings. It can also mean well of the seven. Because the word Sheba means oath or seven. And then it says in Genesis 21. There they made a covenant. So the seventh day is the oath day. Or the covenant day. That means it is a covenant which points to an older covenant. It is a promise which is a sign of something that goes further back in time. Genesis 2.4 is the first time this personal covenant name of God appears. And it is glued to a day. It is glued to a sign in time that speaks of something that is timeless. In Genesis 2, the name the Lord is glued to the last day of creation when everything was made. When God could say it's done. Genesis 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Now, notice what it says in your Bible. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, you'll see the word Lord, all capital letters. That's the very first time you find that divine name in the Bible. It's right there in verse 4. The day God made everything is the day God finished His work. Now, my son has a project he's working on. You come to our house, you know that it looks like a carpenter's field and other things. He's taken some plywood that was left over from the building of our roof. He has cut it into pieces. He's making a canoe with it. He took some materials and wire and he strapped it together and he's planning to make it watertight so nothing can leak. I personally would not want to get into the canoe because I have my doubts about its integrity, but I have no doubts about my son. My son is out to make a canoe that will float and he's going to do this before he goes to school this fall. Now, it's not fair to say that canoe is finished yet because there's no bottom to it. But when the bottom is made, when the last bit of shellac is there, when the glue is fixed and the wires are in place, the day it's made is the day you can say it's made. The day it's finished is the day the canoe is made. So you can't speak of the day the Lord God made heaven and earth until it's all done. And in the Bible, it wasn't finished on the sixth day. It was finished in the Hebrew in the seventh day because there are seven days of creation, the rest of God, the blessing of God. What happens in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, when God blessed the seventh day, he hallowed it. When he promised within it a finished work, it is the complete work of God on that day. So what is the day that the Lord made heaven and earth? It's the seventh day. Genesis 2, 1 and 3. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God finished His work which He had done. Some Bible translations will say by but the Hebrew says literally in the seventh day He finished His work. Rest is the final work of God. It is the completion of God in creation and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. So that's the day the Lord God made heaven and earth. And that's the day the covenant name of God shows up. It shows up on the oath or covenant day. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. On the seventh day we see for the very first time the name Lord with all capital letters in Genesis 2-4. The covenant name of God is glued to the covenant day, which is the oath day. And because the seventh day is the sign of the oath or the everlasting covenant, it matters too. If you defile the day that points to the everlasting covenant, you really show no regard for the everlasting covenant. Exodus thirty-one thirteen, God is speaking, Say to the people of Israel, You shall keep my sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord... Now notice the letters there. L-O-R-D, all caps, Yahweh, that I, the Lord, sanctify you. God made the Sabbath as a sign that we would always know that we can have a personal relationship with God, carved into time as his eternal covenant. Verse 16, therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Now, my translation softens it a little bit. The Hebrew is literally Brit Olam as everlasting covenant. The Sabbath is both the sign of the everlasting covenant and it is itself everlasting covenant. Verse 17, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses when he made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tables of the testimony Tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now, when God writes something down with his own finger, when God speaks it with his own mouth, when God says, this is the sign that I am the creator, God. This is the sign of my name, of the everlasting covenant. This is my way of keeping you close to me in a worship, friendship, relationship. Dear heart, we must take that seriously in our lives. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom, in verse 14, shall be preached in all the world. As a witness to all nations, then the end will come.
0: Join us again next time when we complete the Paradise Contagion here on Reaching Your Heart. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.